voice of reason, the, the solid, uh, hold it down, the beige rage, and the agitator. The Breakfast Club. Everyone just kept telling me to prep for this. One word to describe the Breakfast Club would be black. Impact in the culture. People watch the Breakfast Club for like news and really be tuned in, man. I don't even know what it calls the Breakfast Club. It's like brunch. Envy, Ye, and Charlemagne. Wake that ass up, get out of bed, and listen to the Breakfast Club. I'm waking up. up. Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 how are you? <laughs> Why would you say that? Envy had the worst excuse yesterday too. Like your Instagram got to match up with whatever excuse you give. Well, this Have you ever, he was like, "I gotta go uh, pick up my family out of the country," and then I saw him in Atlanta. I, I was wondering about that too, but I was just minding my business. I don't, you know. And he said it several times. I'm like, "You gotta I, pick up your family." I I I heard that too. Out of the and country. then yesterday he's in Atlanta. He's hanging out at. But no, I thought he had to go today. To, I thought today he had to go. Biggest family about the doing. country. Yeah, I thought he said Thursday, so he probably stopped in Atlanta and <laughs> going to wherever. I don't know. God bless him. We send him healing energy. How was your night last night? Uh, oh, my God. I did a Facebook audio room yesterday, which was really great. It was on how to start a podcast because people ask me that all the time. So I had Jamil Hill on and I had Nori on. And they were uh. giving their own expert advice on how they've done it, how to monetize it. And just basically the equipment that you might need, like the basic equipment, what's the best things to do, how to make it happen, all of that was great. Those are two people that definitely uh, have 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 a lot of experience when it comes to launching successful podcasts. Jamel yeah. Hill and Nori, Drink Champs, and uh, Jamel Hill, Unbothered. She has her own respectively whole network at Spotify too. Definitely, so she was talking about what she looks for, and then Nori was talking about. A certain instance where you have to be responsible for like who your guests are and maybe even what they say while it's on your platform. We had that whole discussion too. Yeah, that's something. I mean, that's one of those things you learn. Uh, you learn late. I never, I never agreed with that early, and I still don't all the way agree with it. But if if you can protect some people from being hurt by the things some folks say, yes. Now, how was your night? Uh, I don't even remember. What was you don't last remember. night? I, I ate some guacamole a couple nights ago, and that's all I keep thinking Taco about. Taco Tuesday? Yeah. Because my wife had made it, but it was sitting in there for a while, and I forgot it was in there, and I ate it the other night. How long does that stay good for? I don't <laughs> know, boy, but it's been, uh, I don't know it's been affecting me the past 48, 72 hours. I'll tell you that much. I can but tell I you why. But I don't fart in my clothes, so don't even <laughs> worry about it. We got, what we got coming up in front page. Oh, first of all, on the show today, we have a brother, man. This book right here that I'm holding in my hands, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma in the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Resma Minikim. Resma Minikim. This is one of the best books I ever read in my life. Definitely one of the best books I read this year. But we have this brother coming on today. If you are on a healing journey and you are trying to figure out how to pass this trauma through your body, you need to read My Grandmother's Hands. You need to listen uh, to Brother Resma when he joins us here on The Breakfast Club this morning. All right. That's right. Now, what we got in front page news, you? Uh, let's talk about these crate challenges, these milk crate challenges that are going on. TikTok has made a statement, and you know they barely ever do that. We'll tell you what they said. Hey, is it just me or is it hot as hell in there? I'm good. Jesus Christ. I like it. And you got on a hoodie. Yeah, and I'm I'm cold. I have on shorts, but I have a hoodie on over my shorts because I'm cold. Maybe it's that damn guacamole making me feel like this. 
Anyway, <laughs> it's the Breakfast Club. We're here. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, the Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, and it's time for front page news. What we got, Yee? Well, TikTok has made a statement after the milk crate challenge backlash they've gotten. Everybody's trying to do this milk crate challenge. And now they're saying that they will remove such videos from their platform. So we've been seeing these videos, people stacking a bunch of the milk crates, and then they climb to the top and back down the other side without them collapsing. Not a lot of people were able to hold their balance. And physicians were looking on with horror. They expect to see an uptick in injuries tied to this challenge. I can't speak for TikTok, but man, why are they so quick to always take down videos like that, but they'll let videos of uh, you know unarmed black people getting shot by the police or beaten up by the police linger on these platforms forever? Well, yeah, TikTok, I'm not sure uh, what their policy is on that, but they did say they prohibit content that promotes or glorifies dangerous acts, and we remove videos and redirect searches to our community guidelines to discourage such content. They said we encourage everyone to exercise caution in their behavior, whether online or off. Social engineering is amazing. You know, people always want to talk about uh, agendas and you know folks programming, but y'all programmed yourself with that crate challenge this week because that started somewhere, and everybody keeps doing it. All right, now Serena and Venus Williams will not be playing in the U.S. Open. Uh, here is what Venus Williams had to say in a video message. Well, this news from Serena and I today. I too am unable to play the U.S. Open. It's super, super, super disappointing. Having some issues with my leg all this summer and just couldn't work through it. I can't wait to get back out on the court. Whenever that is, I'll work with my team and make it as soon as I can. No date at this time. Now, Serena posted, after careful consideration and following the advice of my doctors and medical team, I've decided to withdraw from the U.S. Open to allow my body to heal completely from a torn hamstring. And the U.S. Open does start on Monday. It's televised by ESPN. Now, if you plan to go, they aren't going to require masks or proof of COVID vaccine for spectators. So if you want to go there, you'll get, uh, you can go. And Hold on, it doesn't require no, masks? it does not. Or no proof of vaccine? Nope. Man, y'all got y'all to gotta figure this out. <laughs> like, is there a pandemic going on or not? At Wimbledon, they, re they did require proof of negative tests. They asked fans to wear masks around the grounds, but the U.S. Open is not doing that. They said there's local vaccination rates around 70%, so they're banking on their protocols and common sense to keep the tournament from becoming a super spreader. Is there a crisis going on out here in these streets or not? Because some people act like it is, some people act like it isn't. I'm confused. I, I don't get it either. But players get COVID tests upon arrival, and then they get them again every four days. If you test positive as a player, then you'll force uh, you'll be forced to withdraw. And when you hear stuff like that, how can you say that you know these corporations should mandate people to have the vaccine when they're having these gatherings like that with no mask and no proof of vaccination? Yeah, and it's in the United States. So that's on, a little man. weird to me because I know they're saying even to eat in a restaurant, you have to have proof of vaccination. So, I smell a jig. Hi. <laughs> All right. Well, that is your front page news. That's right. We got, uh, what do we do next? Tell them why you're mad. No, we don't call it get that. Get it no off more. your chest. Get it off your chest. We got get it off your chest coming up next. Uh, if you want to tell us why you're blessed or if you feel like venting, reach out and touch us right now. 1 800 585 1051. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Yep, get it off your chest. Who's this? Oh, snap. Charlemagne. What up, man? Peace, King. How you doing, black man? What's your name? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm David, man. Good morning, Angela Eve. Miss Beautiful. Good morning, David. 
Oh man, I love that. No, you know, I just <laughs> wanted to say, uh, you know, I love y'all, man, and Charlemagne. You know, you know what's crazy, man? Like, cause I, I listened to your, um, I listened to the Breakfast Club from 2013 until now. Hey, yo, the changes that all three of you guys made is ridiculous. Like, I love it. You guys are doing your thing, and you know, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about. Okay. Yes, sir. Like. Like, and be honest with me. Like, be real with me, please. <laughs> is the Illuminati real? Not that I know of. I'm not part of it, so I wouldn't know. Soon as yeah, I get it. Soon as I get in, I'll let y'all know. Now, what changes have you made since 2013? Oh, man, I had a baby. You know, I stopped smoking yes. um, cigarettes. You know what I mean? And it, it's just... You know, but I still got the baby fat, though. I, I don't know how to get rid of that. <laughs> now, I'm not going to lie. Illuminati might be real because Angela E changed the subject real quick. <laughs> <laughs> if I was part of it, I couldn't tell you. No, That's, that that is very real, true. Like, <laughs> how this world is going nowadays with the with the with um, all the, the diseases and stuff, the book of Revelation don't lie. So, you know, whoever whoever thinks that is cool, like Lil Nas X, man, the, the, the 666 shoes. Come on now. Like, like how they promote that, you know what I mean? Well, I believe that there are secret societies, but honestly, I believe that it's the not-so-secret societies that are causing us the most harm. And the not-so-secret society is the American government. Yeah, the old white man. Do you, you That's let right. You know, like, you know, Would you, you join the... You know what I mean? Is they, uh, Would you join the Illuminati? No, nah, hell no. Nah, I love God. <laughs> I love God, too, baby. <laughs> what is the Illuminati? Holy I don't even God, know what... I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I think Angela e might be in. She protesting a little too hard. She pushing, I don't know what she's pushing exactly back on this. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know people in the Illuminati don't believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. But my brother, thank you, bro. Get it off your chest. Who's this? Hey, what's up, Charlemagne? Good morning, Charlemagne. Good morning, Angela. Rick. Rick. Hey, Rick. Peace, King. How you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a good mood. I recently bought a crab, so my my um my commute is a little bit more, but congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. So, I heard you say something earlier about those uh those videos online of like black men getting shot by the cops and stuff. I think those should stay up, man. Not because I want to relive trauma and over and over, see those and be able to have that footage to go through sometimes. But like, you know, taking down the crate challenge video is necessary because we just doing stupid stuff that way. But keeping those videos up is actually necessary as a resource. Kinda yeah, like but the, lo the logic don't add up, though. If they're saying that they're taking down the crate videos because they don't like to post videos where, you know, people are in dangerous situations or there's danger or violence. Like, come on. Watching yeah, cops beat up on but, black but, people? But, but, but the, the, the crate challenge, uh, just like Jackass, is, is val voluntary, val voluntary, uh, um, um, uh, harm you harm yourself voluntarily. The things with the cops, it's kind of like if you have the body cam. You know what I mean? And the cops are able to post that up and you can see it. So, all right. So you're saying one thing is more like accountability. The other one is a challenge that's encouraging people to do yeah, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, you know. So it's almost like those stupid challenges where people go up and do those. Those are voluntarily, and 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 and, and those those you can take down because you're misleading the public and you're um, encouraging people to do stupidity. But if you have those body cam videos or those videos of people getting hurt. You should keep those up because uh, uh, it, 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 it serves as a resource. I understand and, uh, what you're saying. I get it. I think I think I think that those videos are making uh, making people aware of what's going on, but I don't see the cops getting held more accountable because of them. Yeah, but. true, 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 true indeed. But Angela, before you go, mm -hmm. Angela, yes, I want to come through the E Day. All right, come so, through. Um, it's Saturday, Angela E Day, twelve I'm, to five I'm, in Brooklyn. I'm bring my kids. 
Okay. My kids, do, do I have to be vaccinated though? Because I'm not. I know you don't have to be vaccinated, but I definitely encourage everybody to wear a mask. It is outdoors, so we're trying to keep everybody as spread out as possible. But I, I would say please wear a mask. I will. We will. We will. All right. I look forward to seeing you guys there. Peace, Rick. Yes, sir. Let's get it off your chest. Uh, we do that every morning. We're still taking your calls right now. 1-800-585-1051 is the phone number. Reach out and touch us, man. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Get it off your chest. Who's this? Hey, Charlemagne. Yes, sir. What's happening, King? All right, man. This is Sean from Third. How you doing? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored, my brother. How are you? All right. Angela Yee. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Now, I want to get off my chest. Uh, that interview that you guys had with Boozy last week. Mm-hmm. That was this week. Um, uh, it was this week? Yes, sir. Well, I'm so mad, I don't even remember the week. I feel like Charlie May, and I feel like you were framing what Boozy was saying in a negative way. How was I framing it in a negative way? When Boozy said he was going to whoop Nas ass for, for being naked on stage, or claiming that he wanted to be naked on stage, he wasn't attacking gay people. He was attacking a naked man on stage. He was attacking what? A naked man on stage. If you naked on stage, you don't accept that. And mm. I saw you say that to strippers, right? You saying, well, he shouldn't watch strippers. That's what strippers do. Well, he said that though. He said that regard. He said if it was anybody on stage naked, a straight man or a woman, <laughs> he wouldn't like that in front of kids. So exactly. I- Exactly, but you were saying that. But then, was, but uh, then he contradicted himself the very next sentence and said, "Yo, don't turn my scribbles against me." He's the one who said the people. He, he nah, bought up. But, but listen, that's what scribbles do. That's their job. If they're not scribbling, if they're not naked, they're not doing their job. Now they don't have to be naked. Listen, you're probably right, but here's the thing that I say, man. Let's not become what we hate. You know what I mean? If we if we if we don't if we don't like prejudiced, bigoted people, let's not become prejudiced, bigoted people. Let's not hate people that just because true. of who they are. I agree with you on that. And Angela, yes, you were saying you were saying that people's actions don't necessarily influence your kids. What people do don't necessarily influence your kids. That's not true. Not in regards to you sexuality. Know. I disagree in regards to sexuality. I think when it comes to sex, I, listen, I've never been influenced by seeing uh, two women kiss and felt like, man, I need to go do that. That that's true, and, and you know that's good for you. Hey, you but ever watch porn? I, yes, sir, I have. When the last time you ever been turned on by a penis on a porn? I don't watch porn for penis. But it's, but, but, but you, but, 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 no, but, but, but all, all, all I'm saying is by that thinking, then people who are gay, if they watch straight people on television, it's not going to turn them straight. That's right. Why, 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 why gay people don't get turned straight? No, 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 no. I, I want you to look at it from this perspective also, right? How do kids, how do kids learn to speak or even walk? Not sexuality, was, brother. Sexuality is so natural. I mean, every, every animals, animals, uh, going to have sex. Like if you, Everything on this planet that breathes is going to have sex at some point. That's just something that's naturally within us. And what you like is what you like. I don't think you can influence to influence somebody to like something that they don't like. I disagree. Because I don't care how many... Hey, I don't care how many I see today. I don't want one. You want two. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know what? No, I don't know about you, man. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is if, if you're not aware of something and it's constantly being put in front of your face, then you, it might pique your interest. All I I'm disagree. saying is there's going to be gay people here whether or not you like it. That's right. No, I, I 
No, no, no. There's I, nothing I, you I could do about it. You cannot say do not have anything gay on television because it's going to turn all the kids gay. Because guess what? There are some gay kids out there that need to see somebody that looks like them, that represents them, so they yeah. don't feel Angela. weird, other, strange, Angela. suicidal, and any of those things. And people need Angela. to understand acceptance of other people. And if you don't see any representation of a person that's other than what you are, then how can you uh -huh. even know to accept that? Angela, my thing is, not because I disagree with gay lifestyle doesn't mean that I dislike gay people at all. That's not, you know, it's like going to the restaurant and you're choosing what meal you want to eat. That doesn't mean you hate chicken because you ordered pork. You so you I just mean? don't want to see gay people it. on television is what you're saying. But I also know that you're not no, going to... No, hey, no, hey, hey, hey. I also know you're not going to sit at that table and chastise people for eating pork. I don't think you would care that much and about what... So why you care so much about what people doing with their sexuality is what I'm saying. Don't worry about what people put in their mouth. I don't care how much pork somebody puts on the menu. I'm not ordering it. And I'm not going to chastise you for eating it. You got to understand this, though. Hey, we got to go. We got to go, though, brother. I appreciate you, man. You know, last thing in, I just want people to know that you can't infringe upon my rights just because you're looking to get your rights in. You know what I mean? What rights are being infringed upon? Gay right, people you can't even speak as, as a street guy. That gay is not true. Gay people exist. What do you want them to do? Hide? You're speaking right now. We just had you speaking. No, <laughs> they shouldn't hide, but they should be mindful of what they display in a public setting. Hey, bro, we love you, man. Appreciate you. Sending <laughs> you right, healing energy, you. King. All right. I don't know how you can say you can't, you're not allowed to speak and you just spoke. The, le the logic makes no sense. Everybody's speaking. Now, we got a report coming up here. Yes, Kanye West Donda event is today. We'll give you some details on what's about to happen. All right, we'll talk about it when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, today is Kanye's third listening party in Chicago. And he's also launching a STEM player that will let users customize any song on the Donda album. If what do you mean? They can like make give it its own beat and stuff like that? You can control the vocals, the drums, the bass, the samples. Um, you can oh, wow. isolate parts. You can add effects and things like that. Oh, that's dope. That's slick. Mm -hmm. How much does that cost? Uh, $200. So you can pre-order that right now. And they're saying the album has an August 29th release date on the iTunes store. When is that? Donda. That's Friday? That's tomorrow? What's today? Today's the 26th. Yep. So on a Monday? Oh, when's the 29th? I don't know. Yes, yeah, Sunday. Sunday? Yep. Well, I mean, that's the Lord's Day. That would make <laughs> sense for him. All right, so we don't know what that exact release date will be, but we do know at the Donda event tonight they're going to be doing COVID vaccines again. But you're not required to be vaccinated or even test negative to be able to go to the event. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Listen, though, I do. I, I keep telling y'all, I respect the anticipation that he has uh, built for this album. I mean, it's an album named after his mother, so you should go all out, right? Like, you should have two live events in Atlanta, the place you was born, and now bringing it back to Chicago, the place that you was raised. Why not? All right, now let's talk about Young Blue. He is apologizing to police officers in Georgia following his release. We told you about this whole run-in that he had. Now, he was visiting a trailer dealer called Absolute Trailers in Gainesville, Georgia. He was trying to buy a trailer, and the owner called the local police. When police arrived at the lot, and since Young Blue believed the cops had no reason to question him, he left. And 
Then he got pulled over. He got arrested for driving with a suspended license, and they gave him a citation. So then he went on Instagram. He was blasting absolute trailers and the Gainesville Police Department for allegedly racially profiling him. But now he's apologizing for taking his anger out on the police department. He said, instead of the business who lied and manipulated the situation, I was embarrassed and in disbelief of what happened, so I directed my energy toward the wrong people. My energy will now be directed towards absolute trailers because their, their lies could have turned to a possibly dead situation for me. Mm. Officers were moving off what they were told by this establishment that I was a fraudulent thief before even knowing my name or interacting with us. I understand that. That's a, that's a mature re- response. Mm-hmm. So he's actually going to be suing them now. Not the police department, but absolute trailers. I mean, it's not like the police would uh, ever need a reason to, to racially profile a black man, but that trailer gave, that trailer place gave him a reason, right? And he said, I admit when I'm wrong, even though I did not agree with all the methods used of detaining me, my license was suspended and I was arrested legally. I was furious about what led the police to me. I can see how that could really infuriate you. All right, now back to Kanye. Drake is rumored to be releasing a song with Young Thug and Future. And according to reports, that's going to be coming out tomorrow. So we'll see. Because some people are thinking that Kanye's album is going to drop tomorrow. But you see this? You see how you you, you mentioned Drake, but you... You can't mention Drake without mentioning Kanye right now. Yeah, because like, the two of them right now. But, but that's my point. Like that, uh, that certified lover boy was probably the most anticipated album of the year. But now Kanye's put his Donda project right in the mix with that. Yeah, so. Got to respect it. We got to see what's going to happen these next few days. And Lizzo says she has heard from Drake after she named dropped him on the song Rumors. Here's that little drop. No, I ain't no Drake. No, I ain't F Drake yet. So she actually talked about it on Jimmy Kimmel Live. I think he's heard the number four song in the country. Actually, I have heard from Drake, but that's all I'm going to say on that. All right. Get it, get it, girl. Now, Drake said he likes his girl's BBW, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Now, Tina Knowles Lawson is responding to people who are critical of Beyonce for wearing that Tiffany diamond in her latest campaign with Tiffany. And in the photo shoot, we talked about this a lot yesterday. People were mad about it. They were talking about blood diamonds. They were upset that uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce were not endorsing a black-owned company. Oh, my God. Yeah, so all of that happened. So now Tina Knowles, of course, is coming to her daughter's defense. And she said, how many of you socially conscious activists own diamonds? I thought so. Well, guess what? What did you uh, go to try to check to see where the diamond came from? Probably not. So when you guys get engaged, you won't have a diamond. You're going to put on a sterling silver band, and you better check out where it came from and the origin of where it came from and why you added. Check out the cause for the leather that you wear because they made it came from another country to ban and not buy diamonds right because you're righteous. So that was her way of defending her daughter. Yeah, I don't understand the whole logic of uh, they want Beyonce and Jay-Z to push black-owned businesses as if they don't do that all the time now. Beyonce got a black business directory on her website. It's been there forever. <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember when they were writing articles saying she had 13 black designers and black is king. A few weeks ago, she got spotted out in two black brands. The, the, the bag company, what is Telfar? Mm-hmm, and, Telfar. It was, and it was some, some pants she had on too that were black-owned. So it's just like, that's what they do. Why can't they do both? Right, and they do do both. I, <laughs> you All niggas. Right. Well, that well, is your well. rumor reports. I don't even. I, sometimes I just. Yeah, I, don't know. I thought you're not using that word. No I'm word. trying not to, but how else do you describe these people? Yay. Oh, Jesus. All right. You got front page news coming up next? Yes, and OnlyFans. It looks like you might have a little bit more time if you want to do some porn on there. <laughs> All right, it's the Breakfast Club. <laughs> the Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. 
What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. Now, Samsung is blowing people's minds right now. The new Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 5G literally unfolds into a tablet. And the new Z Flip 3 5G folds to fit in the palm of your hand. Insane. Pre-order yours now at Samsung.com. Hey, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, but it's time for front page news. What we got, Yee? Well, OnlyFans has suspended their plan. They were going to do this policy change banning porn. That was supposed to start October 1st, and you saw the creators took to the streets. Well, not the streets, but they took to the web mm-hmm. and uh, social media, and they were upset. They felt like OnlyFans turned their backs on them. And so what OnlyFans is saying, that decision was made to safeguard the funds of the creators and subscriptions from increasingly unfair actions by banks and media companies. We obviously do not want to lose our most loyal creators. So now they are putting a pause. They suspended the plan October 1st policy change. Did the situation in Afghanistan not teach us anything? You can't pull out without a plan. Okay, did OnlyFans even think about what they were going to do after they decided to tell everybody that they can't do porn on their site? I thought that's what OnlyFans was all about. Yeah, you know what? And there's a number of other platforms that have stepped up ever since OnlyFans said that they weren't going to be doing porn anymore. And some of them I saw have been Mm -hmm. crashing as people are trying to make their subscriptions. So Unlocked is one of them. They said in a recent press release their models get 85% of their earnings as opposed to the 80% found on OnlyFans. OnlyFans still got a lot of brand equity with their name, though, right? Uh So it would take a lot of those other sites a while to get their name up. Yeah, I mean, some of them have already existed, so mm-hmm. it'll just be a good time to grow. But then for some people, they don't trust OnlyFans now. They're like, at any moment. And people ain't going nowhere. <laughs> people be right on there today jerking off to their favorite celebrity. All right, now, yesterday, Joe Biden signed into law a pilot program <laughs> that is going to connect veterans struggling with PTSD with service dogs. <laughs> what? Eddie, our producer side-eyed me, and then he hit the dump button. <laughs> I guess I couldn't say what I said. Oh, I didn't even notice you said anything crazy. I said, I should have said masturbating, right? That's what I should have said. Yes, I'm sorry. All right, back to Joe Biden and these dogs. (laughs) It didn't have to do with that, right? No, it had nothing to do with it. (laughs) So Joe Biden signed a law uh, yesterday, a pilot program that's going to connect veterans struggling with PTSD with service dogs. So it's called the Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members. Pause. For Veterans Therapy Act. That's P-A-W-S. Not Why'd you pause it? Pause. P-A-W-S. Oh. I thought she said, I didn't know. Do you like, want to go home? No. I'm like, why are you, you pause okay that? Today? Why, is that? Why was that worthy of pause? It's pause. The That's the name of the company. Assisting gotcha. Wounded Service Members. Pause. Got you. Okay. Not P-A-U-S-E. P-A-W-S. Got you. All right. So this is uh, the culmination of years of hard work to bolster services to address our veterans' mental and physical health from so many people. So they said similar programs have shown great results with veterans, and they want to give that access to even more people. I, I think that's you. nice. I was reading um, in my grandmother's hands. They were talking about how having a pet can actually, that's one of the. Um, Soothes you. Well, yes. One of the actions. Mm-hmm. Uh, practices. All right, Johnson & Johnson says that they're going to be doing their booster shots, and they said that the booster shot of their vaccine provides a nine-fold increase in COVID antibodies. So if you've already gotten that first dose, you can go and get that booster shot, and it's going to give you a lot more protection. Johnson & Johnson. Um, <laughs> and then now let's talk about Pfizer. They're seeking FDA approval for their vaccine booster dose. So they're saying that could get full. Well, as we know, the two-dose vaccine did get full regulatory approval this week. So they are planning to get these booster shots available now. 
And they have started that approval process for that third dose, and that's going to be for Americans age 16 and older. They plan to complete their application with the FDA by the end of this week, and then it should be rocking and rolling soon after that. Okay. And uh, and by the way, I, what I said was, when we were talking about OnlyFans, I, I said people aren't going anywhere. Okay, they'll be on there probably today masturbating to their favorite celebrity. That's what I said. But I said it in a... With slang. What type of slang? I said slang. <laughs> hey. uh-uh. oh. All right. Well, that is... Oh, man. Your front page news. Listen, you heard Angela Yee just referenced a book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands, one of the best books that I read this year, one of the best books I've I've ever read, period, especially in regards to healing. You know, I tell y'all to invest in your mental wealth all the time, and if you're on a journey of healing, if you're trying to deal with your trauma... So your trauma doesn't deal with you, then you need to listen to this interview that we have coming up with the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Resma Minikin. Okay, I'm probably going to mess his name up when he gets here. For sure. All right, because I can't pronounce anything. But he'll be joining us next on The Breakfast Club. All right? All right. The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy had to step out. But, man, we have the author... Of one of the best books I read this year, mm. Resma McKim. Minikim. Definitely took Envy's place. Yeah. <laughs> Resma Minikim, author of My Grandmother's Hands: Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. Mm. First of all, it is a pleasure, brother, to sit down and talk to you. Thank man. you, brother. Thank How you. are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, busy, but doing well. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, tell folks what this book is about. So, brother, the book is really about racialized trauma and how um, more often than not, when we think about racism and white body supremacy, we think about it from an intellectual place, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, 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 you know, dates and times and stuff like that. But my whole um, work is really around how trauma lives in the body mm-hmm. and gets passed down and how it gets passed down through generations. What ends up happening is that we lo- we don't just learn from our caregivers in terms of instruction. We also learn from what their bodies recoil from and lean into. Trauma in a person over time can look like personality. Mm. Trauma in a family over time can look like family traits, but trauma in a people can look like culture. Mm. And we and we miss those pieces. And so the whole book was about my journey, my own personal journey. Um, you know, in Afghanistan, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my journey in terms of my people and my grandmother. Can you talk about what white body supremacy is? Yes, yes. So, so when we say the word white supremacy, a lot of times what happens is that people move to the head. They start trying to say, well, I'm not racist or I'm not this or not, I'm not that. I'm not the person that did that. I'm not the person. Yeah. I yeah. don't think like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is, is that we end up having an intellectual conversation and not how this stuff actually impacts the body. Mm. And so white body supremacy is my attempt to get us to begin to think about what shows up when we're having these types of interactions. What shows up when we see a black body being murdered on the streets, right? What what shows up when we see people homeless underneath bridges and stuff like that? And that actually may not just be your own personal piece. It might be historical, it might be inter, uh, uh, intergenerational, it might be persistent institutional, and then your own personal stuff gets combined with it. So what I tell, when I'm training young therapists, one of the things that I do is I say, the most important thing when you're working, especially with bodies of culture and black bodies, um, indigenous bodies, 
Um, one of the things that you have to do is you have to slow it down. Because a lot of times therapy, people, therapists think that their job is to give you advice. When really their job is to create room so you can tap into resource that that, that you don't currently have, mm. right? It is not just about talking to your head. It is about watching you, seeing you, not just body language, but it, but 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 having enough sense of resonance that when something shows up and having enough racial literacy that when something shows up in Charlemagne or something shows up in Sister E, that I'm able to pick up on it as vibe, as image as meaning making as behavior urges as sensation mm -hmm. right that's when we like when when black people say to each other i feel you there's such a depth to that that we haven't really unpacked you know it's, it's it, god bought this book in my life at the right time you know angela rod kept telling me to get it but <laughs> it came in my life at a point where i started doing healing yeah. exercises yeah. i started actually doing things to help this 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 trauma move through my body explain how why that's so necessary so so i so if you notice in the book brother i don't call them exercises i call them practices practices yeah. why is because whenever we think about trauma and spe specifically racialized trauma we think about something we need to just purge right but in, in actuality, race, the concept of race has a 400 to 500 year old charge to it. So when we start to begin to deal with it, that charge can overwhelm us. And with your experience, and I've, I've listened to you quite a bit. And so some of the experience when you have, when you yourself have been traumatized, right? In addition to the historical trauma that gets passed down, in addition to the intergenerational trauma, you don't really know how to articulate. So the practices are designed to go slow. One of the things about the practice is that it forces you to work with, to learn discernment. Oh, this is more resource, or this really scares me, or this is more constricted in my body. When we're traumatized, that's all blended together. We don't know how to discern one, one sensation from an image. You have to condition and temper your body to be able to withstand the trauma and the stuff that has happened so you can metabolize it over time and not just be overwhelmed when it shows up. And there's practices for white people as well. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> what happens with white folks, right? We live in a structure by which the white body deems and has deemed itself the supreme standard, standard of humanness, philosophically and structurally. Mm -hmm. right? It's a caste system. That's it. So what ends up happening is that in that process, white bodies, and, and like they, like you know this, white people have not all, there hasn't always been white people. Mm -hmm. Irish people, Russian people, there were all of these, right? But the acceptance of whiteness, right, made, made white people have to give up part of their humanity in order to be white. They, they had to. You can't participate in brutalizing people right without disrupting part of your own humanity and so the practices in the book are really designed to help white people begin to confront that thing that had that the, the ways that they've been standardized as human right. and me and you've been standardized as deviant from human they're the normal and they're the normal and we're deviant mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so what happens is is that not only do through the process of brutalization the process of, of of whiteness do they do they miss part of the humanity it is standardized so they don't even feel like they need to even do nothing about it that's why i have the practices in there for 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 uh for white bodies 
you know, I, I, now's a great time to, to segue into the, the false fragility of white bodies. There we go. Break that down. So um, what I say is, is that there is appearance of fragility, but the reality of brutality, right? Oof. So so what happens is with fragility is that because white folks and white bodies have not had to develop any racial acuity or racial agility, what ends up happening is that when they get confronted with something race, uh, race around race, they their voice actually their 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 throat actually <laughs> clenches. They don't. They, there's no language to it. It's because they haven't had to practice. Me, us three, we can't navigate in this world not understanding the vibe of race. Mm. So they either have to blow it through you, right? You know, something you're doing is hurting them, or they have to cry. But notice that whenever you see these things on TV, <laughs> like with with uh, with uh, Amy Cooper, right, mm -hmm. and, and all that, notice that the first move is some type of emotional thing, but the next move is to grab the system that they believe operates. Okay, we got more with the great Resma Minikin when we come back discussing his book, My Grandmother's Hands: Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies, on the Breakfast Club. Yes, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, and we're talking to Resma Minikim. He's the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma, and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. Now, I, I love what you say about how you feel things in the body because you can hear certain things and it triggers. Like when you're explaining to your child why they can't do certain things, as a father, that's that's a struggle with my 13-year-old yeah. daughter. Because I always wonder, am I creating an inferiority complex in her by saying, you're black, your friends are white, That's you right. can't do what they do. That's like, right. does that create an inferiority so, complex? So, so, here's, so there are five intelligence, or six intelligences that we have. We, but in this structure, in this culture, we have, we have carved these intelligences down to one. And we only believe that cognition and the way we think is the most important thing. Right. But it's actually crowded out all of the other five intelligences. And the five intelligences are vibes, images and thoughts and cognition, meaning making, behavior and urges, feelings and emotions, and sensations, mm. right? And so if the vibe is resource, there is a less of a likelihood that she will she will pick that up as inferiority and more of a likelihood that she will pick it up as resource. True. So what I tell parents a lot of times that are trying to usher their children through this brutality is if you've done some of your own pieces and you're coming from what's solid in you as opposed to what's wounded in you, right? Your children will pick it up in their nervous system. <laughs> that's why the work around me talking about the body is so important is because there are intelligence that black people have that, that is literally tied to creation that we must cultivate. We got to cultivate it and stop overriding and like pushing it to the side like, oh, that right, ain't so real. So that's like clean pain versus that's, dirty pain. That's we it, sis. That. So dirty pain is that pain where you're with somebody or you're doing something and something in your gut goes, I need to stop. I need to stop dealing with this person. I really need to do better. And you don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's dirty, right? Mm -hmm. Clean is when you go, I need to stop dealing with this person. And then you do. And even though you're in pain, something opens up a little. It's freeing. Yeah, not not like, oh, not like that, but just like. Because you know? right. yeah. that avoidance can be such a burden. Right. Well, well, pain, see, see, so, so as adults, Angela, as adults, 
we don't get the choice between pain and no pain. Most of the time, we get the choice between clean and dirty. Right. Right. Am I going to make a choice that's 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 tied to my integrity, or am I going to make a choice to move me around it? That's it. And the rest of the things line up after you make that choice. You know, but sometimes I think your emotions uh, can make you because we also talked about <laughs> all these different things in our body and thinking with your your brain and yeah. cognitively. And sometimes your emotions will make you not make you, but you'll deal with dirty pain. Yeah. Because of your emotions yeah, and your and your body response, and it is painful to make that right decision. That's sometimes. right. Right. That's See, this is why when I'm doing my work with people, I don't I don't go at people and think that they're defective. Right. I don't think it's defective. Mm -hmm. When we accept uh, dirty, there's usually a very good reason. Mm -hmm. That trauma that some people look at as a defect. That's right. It's not the resource and joy is the primary energy. Trauma is not primary. Trauma thwarts that energy. And our work is to begin to create room so that energy that is tied to creation can actually emerge. One of my favorite chapters is uh, healing is in our hands. Is it really? It is absolutely in our hands. One of the things I appreciate about you and appreciate about the show is how much y'all focus on black mental health. I love that. Because it's changing. People are starting to begin to think about now. Access is another thing, mm -hmm. right? But but it's beginning to change. People are willing to have a discussion around about trauma and, and, and what can we do about it and not just seeing it as a personal defect. It is not a personal defect. Black people are not defective. Something happened and continues to happen to us. We have to start thinking about how do we create communal ways of healing that and not just individual ways of healing. Yeah, that's what my, my girl Debbie Deb would say that to me all the time. She was like, therapy is great. It gives you the language to be able to explain what it is you're going through, but you still got to go do these practices that's that it. actually heal. That's it. You have to. The, the, so I did, so I did, you read, read it in the book. I did two years in Afghanistan, mm -hmm. right? And in those two years in Afghanistan, I, my job was to, I worked on 53 military bases in Southern Afghanistan, right? And so my job was to go to the bases after it got hit uh, by the Taliban. And my job was to go there if somebody hung themselves, process the base. Then my job was to determine whether or not the military contractors that were there could stay. I was one therapist with 17,000 people. Damn. Right? So through the course of that, hearing people's trauma, seeing things I shouldn't have seen, smelling things that I shouldn't have smelled. In order to get through that, I had to override my own pieces in order to be of service to people. So I did that for two years and then I came home. And then when I got home is when the stuff started popping up, yeah. right? And so, and so when that stuff started popping up, luckily I had friends, other trauma therapists and people who loved me. Luckily I had a wife that was like, I'm, you're gonna have to do something, yeah. right? And so the reason why I say that is that had I saw this as a personal defect, right, what I was going through, um, I probably wouldn't have made it because that stuff actually helped me, helped me begin to ask questions around, okay, if I'm having this experience, what was my grandmother, my grandmother, what was the experience she was having picking cotton in her, mm. when her hands were bleeding, mm. right? So the Afghanistan stuff, all of that stuff, there is a purpose for these pieces. I'm not saying we should be brutalized. I'm saying we can turn that into fuel, but you ain't going to do it if you ain't practicing. 
You ain't going to do it if you ain't getting your reps in. You ain't going to do it if you just think all you have to do is be tough and override. That's not trauma will break you down and force you to contend with it or force you to become an idiot. When did you first become aware of the trauma in your body? Um, I think I began to recognize it more fully after Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Over there, when you're on the bases, you don't break eye contact. Everybody's doing that. So when I got back, that was my my body was acclimated. <laughs> my body was acclimated to to just the person you're with or everybody. The, everybody. So when I got back, I was eating dinner with my wife, and this dude caught my eye. I'm looking over her shoulder, and this dude caught my eye, and so I stare. I I just stared at him, right? And he got he got uncomfortable, and my wife looked at me. And she goes, "You need to stop doing that." You really, because I was so caught. And in New York, we're so conditioned to not make eye contact yeah. with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like since I was young, it's yeah. like, don't look at anyone. That's right. you know, keep it moving. Columns, keep your eyes, you know. That's um, both a survival method. That's right. That's the first right. thing you, you don't want people to say, what you looking at? The, what like, you looking at? you look at someone. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I believe some of that is actually what I call a traumatic retention. I believe that for black people, not looking in, in people's eyes sometimes is a direct result of enslavement. Um, right. I, I think I think because that that could potentially put your people in harm's way and put yourself in harm's way, right? I think that's why some of the moves like what I call racial caping. I think I think those people we make those moves, but I think it's a it's, it is a, a traumatic retention that's passed down, that's wordless, that's decontextualized. I, I agree with that. I heard Jay Z once say, uh, also too, you think somebody sees you. If they're looking at you too long, they're looking in your eyes, they're looking in your soul, like, damn, this person might really see me. Before I see me. That's right. I don't even know who am I, and you trying to look at my soul? Mm -hmm. I will destroy you. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I don't do is put that defect in my people. I'm not going to say something's defective in my people. I'm going to say something happened to my people. That's right. Okay, we got more with the great Resma Minikin when we come back discussing his book, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies on The Breakfast Club. Yes, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, and we're talking to Resma Minikim. He's the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. Now, Yee? Can we talk about the title of the book to my grandmother's yeah. hands and what yeah. that does represent yeah. as far as the work that you've been doing? So so my grandmother uh, was a small woman, but when we were young, like seven, eight years old, we would go over there and stay with my grandmother. And my grandmother, number one, she would be in the kitchen and she would hum. Mm. And when you notice in the book, I talk about the hum and the vagal nerves Absolutely. and all that. It's a very important piece. Um, and so we would just rub her hands. Now, back in, I don't know if y'all old enough to remember this, but back in the day, black folks used to have two TVs. The big old RCA Curtis Mathis that was on the floor <laughs> and then the little one that worked up on the yeah, top and, of it. Right? And the big one never worked. The big one never worked, right? <laughs> and so, or the sound worked or the pictures didn't work. So, one time I was rubbing her hands and I was comparing her hands to my hands. Like, my hands are very thin and angular. My grandmother had these thick digits, like thick, and then the thickness inside of her her palm and the thickness on the back of her palm. And so I was I was rubbing and I said, Grandma, why are your hands so fat? Why are your hands fat like that? And without missing a beat, she goes, oh boy, that's from picking cotton. Mm -hmm. I'm seven, eight, right? And I'm like, okay. And she must have heard the space, the vibe. And so she turned and this and her cadence picked up, right? I knew, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I needed to pay attention. She goes, boy, you ever seen a cotton plant? I goes, no, ma'am. She goes, cotton plant got these birds. This is where she's talking. And I said, 
okay? And she said, when you reach your hands in there, mm-hmm. at, at four years old, I started walking up and down on roads when I was four. My daddy was a sharecropper. So when you reach your hands in that stuff, your hands bleed. And I, I did not remember that story again till I started reading the book. Wow. Till I started writing the book. That's amazing. Because then the calluses protect her hands from and bleeding. That's and right. then it just gets used to. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And then I took that and said, well, that's how trauma works, right? Because when I got back from Afghanistan, all of the calluses that I had, I was so used to it. My wife would tell me, I don't even know who you are. I can't feel you. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Until, until I started doing the work. And oh, the other thing is, my grandmother, she would complain of her hands, said she had arthritis. I didn't find out till after she passed that she didn't have arthritis. Wow. You know, I wanted to ask you about something because uh, me and my homegirl dad was talking about this yesterday. It was a Instagram post somebody posted and, and they said not everything is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said the point here is we can't just slap a label of trauma onto everything. We can't understand all behavior as trauma responses. We have to think more about the roles culture plays in creating and sustaining trauma responses. And trauma responses aren't necessarily all bad. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So trauma is personal and particular. Me and you may be homeboys and and something happens in front of us, right? A necessary component of trauma is stuckness, right? No matter what I do, it's stuck. Something is stuck. That's a necessary component. Something bad can happen to both of us at the same time and you get stuck and I don't, right? Mm. So so when it comes to trauma, right? But 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 there is a higher propensity to get stuck, right? When this, when the thing that happens happens to a mass of people, right? And I believe that you will more likely get stuck in trauma when children are involved, mm-hmm. right? And when there's a lot of stuff happening. Like when black people watched Rodney King, when black people watched uh, Brother George Floyd, right? When black people heard about Breonna Taylor, right? There was a visceral reaction. You, there's something you, there's something that happens in your body when you hear and see those different types of things. What I would say is some people get stuck with that and some people don't. It doesn't, but it, but, but, but I also want, don't want to take the culture off the hook, right? And say, well, not everybody is traumatized, so it's not really a big deal. It is a huge deal because the trauma that we're talking about has compounded over time and has been decontextualized. So now we take it out on each other, mm-hmm. right? And so I say we have to. You have to do both. You have to keep the vertical and the horizontal. When you're viewing this stuff around race, you have to keep both of them on the table. You know, you, you say that uh, healing racism begins with the body. Do you think that takes precedent over legislation? No, no. Here's what I. Here's what I believe. I believe that legislation is fine and it is inadequate. Mm-hmm. It is unsustainable. It right? can't just be policy changes. It can't be policy changes. Mm-hmm. Look, look, we had the we had the uh, the Voting Rights Act, right? Look at what That's we're, right. Look at what we're doing right just yesterday. Uh, d- trying to implement the Voting Rights Did Act <laughs> from '65. You see what I mean? <laughs> what I believe is that as we create a, a li- what I call a living embodied anti-racist culture, as we begin to do that, the emergence will 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 open up so much room and so much fuel and so much power that our politicians will either have to comply or get the hell out of the way. Mm. But because we haven't done that, because we because we haven't worked our our own pieces, they can keep skirting around what they should be doing for us as a people. One of the things I appreciate about what y'all do here is that y'all pub people and do things for people without expecting something back. 
And what that does is creates a cultural glue, right? And so those pieces matter. The more you do that, right, the more you develop these structures of trust, not not transactional. Right. Right. So once as we begin to continue to do that, as black women continue to do that, black women are the ones that's ushering this in, at least in terms of what I'm seeing. Are they the leaders? That's right. And so and so as that begins to happen. You're not, the, the powers that be are not going to be able to continue to do the way that they're doing it because we're developing structures of trust, not structures of transaction. And at the same time, when stuff happens between us, right, I can hold it with you and help you move communally through that trauma. If it's a trauma response, help you move through it and not just cast you off. That's the pieces. So, yes, legislation is fine. Do you find that white people are receptive to these Hell practices no. that you have? <laughs> no. I'm just curious what the reaction is. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was, I'm sorry. That was, was that a trauma, trauma response for <laughs> sure. That was trauma retention. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't have some experiences in the last, <laughs> the last couple of weeks trying to train white folks around this. You know, you started writing this book in 2017, right? So what's next? Because I'm sure so much has happened yeah, yeah. since then. And You're going to do my grandmother's face with your, with your picture on it. <laughs> so what are, you working on, what are you working on next? What it, what? So a couple beautiful things. I just, uh, I'm, I'm working with, um, I'm getting ready to do a podcast called Gorilla Muse. Mm-hmm. I actually am, had just signed to do a documentary based on the book. Wow. Um, um, wow. Been talking with Sister Angela. Wow. She might do some stuff with me on that. Mr. Angela Rye. Um, I am uh, uh, writing my next book, which is called uh, The Quaking of America, The Coming Race War, um, and, um, and How to Prepare. And then I also, on my website, I have practice books. 12-month practice Yeah, 12-month practice books. There you go. I got ways for people to work with this stuff. So go to my website, resma.com. Um, and uh, and then I do I also do uh, foundation classes so people can uh, learn the basics of white body supremacy and somatic abolitionism. Anybody that's on a journey journey of healing, you gotta get my grandmother's hands. You have to racialize trauma in the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies. It's available everywhere you get books now. Resma, thank you, my brother. <laughs> it was an absolute man. pleasure, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you, sir. I it's the Breakfast you. Club. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Little Nas X is speaking out after Tony Hawk did announce the release of limited edition skateboards. And these skateboards actually have his blood, Tony Hawk's blood, mixed into the deck paint. Here is Tony Hawk talking about these skateboards. Hey, what's up? I'm Tony Hawk, and I recently became an ambassador for Liquid Death Mountain Water. Apparently, I didn't read the fine print, and now Liquid Death officially owns my soul and my blood too. It's very confusing. And we're gonna use it for skateboard graphics. So they're gonna mix my blood into the paint and do a limited run of skateboards using my real blood in the graphics. But some of the profits will go towards killing plastic pollution and to building skate parks in underserved communities. Now Little Nas X posted now that Tony Hawk has released skateboards with his blood painted on them and there was no public outrage. Are y'all ready to admit y'all were never actually upset over the blood in the shoes and maybe you were mad for some other reason? So. 
I mean, that is a very valid point. People were so mad when he put out these uh, Nikes that had the blood mixed in. Well, it's different, too, though. And then now Tony Hawk has skateboards. But Tony Hawk is white, Lil Nas X is black. Black people we uh, are, are much different when it comes to uh, watching other black people be into Satan and blood and stuff like that. That's a fact. Yeah. That's why you see the white guys, they, they they do the golf thing and all of that stuff. Nobody really trips on that. We don't really rock with that in the black community. Can't speak for all black people, but, you know, I'm just mm. saying. I mean, but it turned into a hu- huge controversy where they had to pull the sneakers and everything. I can understand. Well, that's the because the sneaker was but, fake, though. Yeah, so <laughs> you said it was fake? It wasn't a real uh, collaboration no, with it Nike. Wasn't a, but people do it all the time with Nike. And Nike and pulls get- them. Yes, they, they do. They don't pull them all the you time. You crazy. Nike will pull a, a collaboration that's not authorized in a minute. All right, Nike. well, Little Nas X also has shared a new teaser video announcing the release date for his debut album, Montero, which is going to be September 17th. Breaking news. Power Bottom rapper Lil Nas X and his Caucasian friend led a prison escape this morning. This comes just months after the town... The talentless homosexual was sentenced to five years in prison. Investigators say anybody that comes in contact with the power bottom should contact authorities immediately. Somebody define power bottom for me. I didn't know you could be a power bottom. Oh, so you just like being a power top. I thought you could only be a power top. I thought the the power was in the top. (laughs) I don't try any of that, but I thought the power was in the top. I didn't know you could be a power bottom. Listen, sometimes the bottom is so much better than the top. You never know. I listened to the uh, the Reed podcast for years, and Kid Fury be giving the bottoms hell. I didn't know that there was power in the bottom. Right, that's how you turn a, what some people consider a negative into a positive. Right? I guess. All right, now he also put out a snippet of uh, some new music, and he said, no album cover coming soon. Y'all are going to effing love it and then he said creating this album has been therapy for me I've learned to let go of trying to control people's perceptions of who I am what I can do and where I will be I've realized the only opinion of me that really matters is my own that's a fact yeah all right now Nas has announced a global partnership with Escobar Cigars and so I'm talking about Nas Escobar now yes okay not Nas X a different Nas gotta make sure <laughs> So Nas is now both a co-owner and equity partner in the Escobar brand. So congratulations to him uh, for that. You smoke cigars? Uh, on occasion, when I'm on vacation. It's, just, not a, it's not a thing for me, though. Just for the post, for a picture. No, I don't do it for pictures. I mean, I do it on, I do it on occasion. Like, I'm not <laughs> the guy that goes to the cigar lounge like a lot of people and makes a thing of it. But yeah, I don't mind a, a, a nice cigar here and there. All right, now the Flavor Flav says that Dr. Dre's album is getting ready to come out. He was talking to the Wild Ride with Steve O podcast, and he said he was at Dr. Dre's house. I was just over Dre's house, man, uh, a week and a half ago, man. Ah, damn. One of the best people in the world, man. Not only that, but I'm honored for him to have me record something at his house for his upcoming album that's getting ready to come out. That's Flavor Flav? Yeah. Sound different. Yeah, so listen, people, do you believe it? Well, the album's going to really come out. Mm-mm. Everybody's been waiting for this for, it feels like a decade. <laughs> I have no reason to believe this. All right, Alan <laughs> Iverson was on Shannon Sharp's on Club Shay Shay, and he was discussing how he feels like he could have been better at football than at basketball. Not being cocky, not being arrogant. I think, no, I know that I would have been a better player in football than I was wow. in basketball. And, and, and that's not disrespecting basketball guys. That's not disrespecting the game that's done so much for me. But football was my first love. 
Now he said that he wouldn't have stopped uh, lifting weights after high school if he, he would have played football. He said he would have had a short career with basketball. He just didn't like lifting weights because it was too heavy. He said, football, I knew I would have had to lift. Well, what's meant for you will not miss you. All right, and Doja Cat is hosting MTV's 2021 VMAs, so congratulations to her. It's going to be live from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. It goes down Sunday, September 12th at 8 p.m. It's her first time hosting, so it's her hosting debut. And uh, she's definitely performed, right, uh, um, there before. So they said also performing are Camila Cabello, Little Nas X, Lord, Machine Gun Kelly, Olivia Rodrigo, Chloe, Shawn Mendes, and 21 Pilots. The Foo Fighters are getting the inaugural MTV VMA's Global Icon Award, and they are going to perform as well. Uh, Missy Elliott, in the meantime, was doing an interview for Interview Magazine, and she was talking to Doja Cat. And Doja Cat said, when it comes to rap, I could be better. I think everybody feels that way with their own art in all kinds of ways. But I see all these incredibly talented rappers around me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing pop. But I should focus on my pen now more than ever. I'm good and I can be funny and charming and I can do little punchlines here and there. But I need to talk about my life more and what's going on. There's personal stuff that happens in my life that I don't talk about in my music. I also kind of don't care. Now, Missy Elliott said, sometimes you have to take a chance. I never felt like I fit in, period. I don't think there was a lane for the music that we did. The only reason they found a lane is because I was rapping over the tracks. But at first, I don't think people understood the music. You're starting to create your own lane. It probably won't ever fit, but people will love it. Doja Cat is interesting because I think she can rap when she really wants to. Because she killed uh, that City Girls record, uh, yeah, she's, Pum Pum Talk. I like Doja Cat. She said that she finds rapping harder than singing because she doesn't want to come out with silly lyrics. She said, it's harder for me to rap. Sometimes I get writer's block because I don't want to write something stupid. Sometimes I write something and be like, why would I say that? Then I'll restart and eventually just give up. But when I do it right, I'm really, really happy about I mean, even it. when it sounds stupid, it makes sense. Like, even on that City Girl song, she said the Pum Pum is talented to do cartwheels. Mm-hmm. We know the vagina can't do cartwheels, but it sounds amazing when you when you hear her say it. It depends on what you mean by a cartwheel. And that is your rumor reports. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, Charlamagne, we getting ready for that donkey of the day? Uh, yes. Uh, for after the hour, we need two people to come to the front of the congregation. Uh, James Akers and Dan Bowman. They are both on uh, other sides of the mass spectrum. We'll talk about it. All right. Coming up. Donkey of the day. Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. DJ Envy and the General Insurance is all about flexible with their flexible payment plans and the ability to choose your payment date. Get the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Call 800 General or go to thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkeys of the Day, ask Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed question. So, like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. I'm donkey right. of the Day. <laughs> Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Donkey of the Day for Thursday, August 26th goes to two people on two different sides of the mass spectrum, okay? One is a man from Texas named James Akers. The other is a father from Florida named Dan Bowman. Let me tell you something, my people. Life is about choices. Okay, that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything in life comes down to a choice. Everything. It's estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. 35,000 remotely conscious decisions every day. Every day. Okay, and each choice has consequences. There are consequences to every single choice. One of y'all may choose to not brush your teeth this morning. Fine. That's your choice. But if you're wearing a mask, that mask going to humble the hell out of you. 
Okay, hell, I brush my teeth every morning, but around noon or 1 o'clock, when I smell the inside of that mask, it reminds me to go kill 99.9% of germs that cause bad breath, plaque, and gingivitis by gargling with that Listerine Cool Mint, which is also my choice to do. And we make choices based on the circumstances presented to us at the time. Which leads me to today's donkey of the day. Mask. (sighs) To wear a mask or not wear a mask, that is the question. Well, it's your personal choice. Okay, when you are in your own personal space. But what I think folks fail to realize is that we share this space called Earth with other humans and we frequent other humans' establishments. Okay, when it comes to schools and corporations, things of that nature, the people who run those establishments can choose to have whatever mandates they want. They can choose to have whatever rules they want. And you as an individual can make a choice to either follow the rules or not. You as an individual can make the choice to follow the mandates or not. This is why I don't understand folks who act like their civil liberties are being taken away. Nobody is forcing you to do anything. They are giving you a choice, and the choice is simple. Wear a mask, you can come in. Don't wear a mask, you can't come in. Either way, it's your choice. Okay, everybody always having these conversations about boundaries. I have to put up boundaries to protect my peace and protect my energy. True. Well, these schools and corporations are putting up boundaries to protect themselves. Okay, you have to be able to understand that, right? Well, people like Dan Bowman don't see it that way. See, Dan Bowman is a 15-year resident of Dripping Springs, and he's been arrested for assault after he got into a physical fight with a student at his daughter's school while protesting the mask mandate. Let's go to WFOR CBS 4 for the report, please. In the midst of a steady stream of kids filing into Fort Lauderdale High School on what appears to be a usual Monday morning, quickly turns unusual. For the past four school days, this father, who would only identify himself as Dan, walks his daughter, Isabel, into school only to be denied because she won't wear a mask. This is him before the arrest. First of all, it's illegal for them to mandate it. It's against the law. Isabel is a sophomore at Fort Lauderdale High. She admittedly is an anti-masker and thinks face covering should be optional. Since Broward schools resumed in-person learning, Isabel has shown up every day only for the proverbial door to be slammed in her maskless face. Several dozen classmates line the fence chanting their feelings on the matter. More now on that police report and the arrest. The young lady who you saw walking up to Mr. Bauman in that video, she attempted to grab the cell mm. phone. Well, apparently, according to police, Mr. Bauman grabbed her arm, mm. twisted it back. According to the police report, he's now facing aggravated child abuse charges. Mm. I, I know this is Florida, and I know the craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. But is it, is it ever this serious? Okay, I, I've seen people follow the rules to a T when it comes to the dress code of nightclubs. All right? These dudes that don't even wear button-ups will go buy a button-up, tuck it in, make sure they got on nice shoes and slacks just to be dressed right for the nightclub. But you're standing outside the school, your daughter attends protesting because she has to wear a mask. Mm. A mask? The thing that bugs me out about parents who don't want their kids to wear a mask is what's the other option? I just want my kids to be safe. Okay, clearly we know it's a disease out there called COVID. Clearly we know people who got it, have gotten it, died from it. And if they say a mask slows down transmission of it, didn't wear the damn mask. I don't know when this trend started, okay, but we wear long sleeve shirts and hoodies in 90 degree weather. Our producer Eddie in here with one on right now, okay? Ye got on long sleeves and a hoodie right now. Hell, I was in here with one on last week. Was I comfortable when I went outside? Hell no. Got in the car and put the AC on low, okay? Didn't even have the temperature, just low, freezing, all right? But y'all talking about a mask makes you uncomfortable? Listen, Choices. Okay, that's what we make here. People, choices. We choose to do these things. I've seen people wear white shorts and I've seen white people wear shorts in the winter. Okay, but y'all saying masks make you uncomfortable. 
All right. Now, on the other side is James Akers. Okay, James Akers is from Texas, and he absolutely believes in wearing a mask. In fact, he was at a school board meeting in Texas, and he wanted to prove that we all follow certain rules for a very good reason. Let's go to WXAN NBC 36 for the report, please. The furor over masks led to an unexpected moment at last night's Dripping Springs ISD board meeting. It's simple protocol, people. This is parent James Akers. He decided to strip down to his underwear at the microphone to make a point. He also outlined all the different laws and social expectations in place people are expected to follow, whether they like them or not. Masks, he says, are one of those things people should abide by in the effort of doing the right thing for the safety of others. We caught up with him fully clothed today. There's too many voices out there that I think are digging in for political reasons and absolutely just not thinking about the common sense decisions we make every day to comply with everything. Do we have audio of James Akers at the school board meeting? Can we hear it, please? I'm here to say that I do not like government or any other entity, just ask my wife, telling me what to do. But sometimes I got to push the envelope a little bit, and I just decided that I'm going to not just talk about it, but I'm going to walk the walk. Uh, at work, they make me wear this jacket. I hate it. They make me wear this shirt and tie. I hate it. On the way over here, I ran three stop signs and four red lights. I almost killed somebody out there. But by God, it's my roads too. So I have every right to drive as fast as I want to, make the turns that I want to. It's simple protocol, people. We, we follow certain rules for a very good reason. Mr. Akers, I, I understand, I believe you're a swimmer, but if you would mind putting your pants back on for a comment, mm. that would be appreciated. He's, he's pro-mask. Oh my gosh. James Akers made a choice to script down at a school board meeting because he wanted to prove why folks uh, should wear a mask. I can't even make this kind of stuff up. But listen, all choices, all right? Wearing a mask is a choice. Scripting down to your underwear at a school board meeting is a choice. They are all choices. But here's the thing for me and why we are here for Donkey of the Day. See, people who are pro-vaccine, pro-mask sound just as much as people who are anti-mask, anti-vaccine. These two situations, James Akers of Texas and Dan Bowman of Florida, one is anti-mask, one is pro-mask, but both of them are doing nut-ass things to prove their point. What makes it harder, okay, it makes it harder for a lot of people to choose what to do. I don't know who's right or who's wrong here. All I know is you, as in you listening, me, as in me talking, we all have to make our individual choices. We have to use our discernment to make choices based off the circumstances that are presented to us when it comes to wearing masks in establishments that aren't yours. You have the right to choose based on what the owner of said establishment mandates. I'm not protesting at a school about said school having a mask mandate, and I'm damn sure I'm not going to get in a fight with a student over it. And I'm not scripting at a school board meeting down to my underwear and running red lights and almost killing people to prove why people should wear masks either. What I'm basically saying is all of this is making us crazy. Okay, everybody, regardless of what side you are on, folks are going mad. Okay, if you're pro-mask, pro-vaccine, don't let these people who are anti-mask and anti-vaccine make you go nuts. And if you anti-mask, anti-vaccine, don't let people who are pro-mask and pro-vaccine make you go nuts because here's what it all boils down to, people. You are free to make whatever choice you want, but you are not free from the consequences of those choices. Only thing I pray for, in the words of the late, great Nelson Mandela, may your choices reflect your hopes 
not your fears. But man, everybody's doing a lot of fear-mongering nowadays. Please let Remy Ma give James Akers and Dan Bowman the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw, you stupid mother are you dumb? <sighs> All right. Well, Charlemagne, thank you for that donkey today. Mm -hmm. I wear masks, by the way. Worked yourself up into a sweat over there. Hey, man. You know, all of this is making everybody go crazy. All right. Well, coming up next, we do have Ask Yee. Mm -hmm. 800 585 is the number. If you have any questions, you need some advice about anything, call us up right now, and I got you. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, but we definitely don't need him for this segment because it's Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Yo, what's going on? Yo, Yee, yo, 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 first of all, man, peace to y'all, man. Y'all can't believe I'm talking to y'all, man. I'm fake stars. What's up? But yo, Yee, man, look, my girl, man, she's pregnant right now, right? Mm hmm. And everybody be telling me, oh, I, right, when they're pregnant, they be bugging, they be tweaking, cool, but next level right now yo and she's mad crazy and secure and it's like right now i'm caught in the joint where i want to leave her and my pops always be like yo you, you know you created a monster because you know i'm probably it's probably a result of past stuff but i'm trying to get my stuff together man like and, and it's like yo i can't i can't get a break yo the other day two days ago she went through my whole t-mobile call log if it was a guy she would hang up if it was a girl she would start oh my gosh and how up. old is she She's a grown woman. Yeah, she's 34. I'm 33. That's awful. Like, hey. Yeah, she's bugging. Where am I bugging? I so, know I wasn't wilding. Like, what else did she... Myself. So she went through your phone and started calling numbers back. What else did she do? Well, another time, she took my boy's laptop, right? It's my MacBook, because I am I do audio engineering and stuff like that, right? Boom. She took my MacBook. She thought it was mine, but it was my man's MacBook, and I was... Because I was fixing it for him. So I'm like, yo, listen, you took the wrong Mac. You can take mine. I don't care because I ain't want to be responsible for my man's stuff. Like, you feel me? Right. Uh, that, that's like unexplainable right there. Yeah. You this... know, she did not give it back. She was like, F you. I got the Mac. Nobody getting it. Whoa, whoa. It was like a big scene. And she be putting me in positions where not for nothing. She be disrespecting chicks. Like, eh, people know who she is. Like, I be feeling like, yo, you're going to put me in a position where somebody going to want to do something to you. And then I'm not going to allow that because at the end of the day, you're still my girl. But... I'm just like, man, she right. mad friendship to mine. So let me ask you this. Is there a reason, and I want you to be honest, is there a reason why she's acting like this? Has something happened in your relationship? You know, in the past, she never has physically, I ain't going to say that, like, she never has physically ever called me cheating, right? But she she always thought it like a million texts. Like, I don't know, I just got a thing where I just be. Okay, so, okay so let's be honest. You have cheated. For like years, though. Okay, but that's yeah, still yeah, obviously. But, but it was because it was a it was a minute where I wasn't even having sex with her for like almost two years. No lie, we were sleeping in the same bed and everything. Right. But because I, I was so disgusted with her as a person, like. Something. Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? It, it sounds uh, like you guys do have a toxic relationship and have done things to each now, other. And, and now, now she's. she's pregnant. Look, she's yeah. Pregnant. I'm trying to, like, be nice, man. And listen, and I understand that, but what here's the thing, is that she's still traumatized from whatever things in your relationship have been unresolved because she's seen these text messages. She hasn't physically caught you cheating. Have you admitted that you cheated? Yeah, man. I mean, yo. You haven't even admitted it. Like, I had separated while I went to down south one time, and I had a whole new relationship. It was all free for everything. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, have you been honest, though? Have you ever been honest about what's what you've done and what's happened? Because I think part of it, too, is that sometimes people try to not admit things and cover it up. And 
it's something that we can never get over if you can't even admit it. Like, how are we supposed to deal with it? But I need you to, I I understand that, but I also need you to take some responsibility and accountability as well. Like, you can't just put it all on her. Uh, This is somebody you chose to be with and you've been with for years, and even when you guys were sleeping in a bed together for two years, you still stayed, and now she's pregnant. And so on top of the fact that she already was insecure and dealing with things, she's also pregnant. So that's a whole nother layer of she doesn't even understand everything that's going on with her body. Plus, she's also like, this is the perfect time for him to continue to do what he was doing to me before. She, I be feeling, she's a person that I feel she'll break the castle over anger and then like she'll wake up tomorrow and like, oh, like you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like for example, last night I had a studio session, porn studio session from 10 to 2. I'm showing her the text message from my boss and all that, like, yo, he like, yo, Lim, mind you, I'm already in hot water because I've been late, all up, been late for the last little bit. I'm like, yo, I got to be there in time for now. Yo, she done took the car key because she think I was about to go chill with a girl. This is what I think because it feels like it's just too much for you right now, but you feel guilty because she's pregnant. You already had issues before she got pregnant that you haven't uh, rectified. So, A, she definitely needs somebody to talk to and some professional help to deal with her anger issues. And also, I'm sure her body feels crazy right now, so she needs help. But I think as people who are about to be co-parents, y'all have got to get on the right track and start working towards that now. If that means that you guys can't be together right now, but you can support her however you can. But I do encourage you to make sure she starts getting that help now because it's only going to get worse. All right, man. I don't even know how to approach it, yeah? What what city are you in? I'm I'm in New York. Okay. I'm from the Bronx. I stay in Harlem though right now. Yeah, you definitely need to talk to somebody, to an expert, to get some help. I, and she does, too. So hold on. Let's get your information, and let's see if we can um, try to hook you up with somebody. I'm going to call Dr. Jasper so that he can start getting you guys on the track, because I am concerned about the fact that you're bringing a, a child into this world together, and y'all right now have got to learn how to work as a as a team in order to be able to raise a child the right way and be a great example and also be able to peacefully uh, at I'm, least uh, at the minimum be able to peacefully co-parent. Yeah, I think I need I need a mediator like you, man. Like I wish I, I wish I could have called the right I wish I would have had her on the phone when you got her, man. You know what I'm saying? But no, nah, no, nah, maybe it would have went different. It would have went different. Yeah, we don't know how that might have went. <laughs> Uh, fingers would have been going back and forth. <laughs> right. Well well hold on. I'm gonna get your information and we'll talk offline. Alright, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yo, I appreciate y'all, man. Word, man. That's real talk. Yo, um, y'all the man, you the man. Love you, King. You the man. Word, peace. All right, peace all right. Hold on, hold on. All right, we got more Ask coming up. 1-800-585-1051. If you got a question for Angelie, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Come on. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice? Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep the bread. Yep, it's the World's Most Dangerous Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee. DJ Envy is off today, and we're in the middle of Ask Yee. Angela Yee. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, this is Coach Snacks. How y'all doing this morning? What's your name? Coach Snacks. Okay, Snacks. <laughs> What's your question for um, Ask Yee? All right, so my baby mom and I, we have not seen out and I for the last three or four years. My son is excelling in football this year, and she has no way of getting to the games, to the game or to the games. Would it be, you know, out of my, you know, too much for me to pay for her to come? Or should I just leave it as it is? Well, here's my thing. Her going to the game, wouldn't your son want her at the game? Well, I mean, it's for him, you know. I know it makes him happy. Right. But for her on the on the back end, you know, I don't, I want to help her, but I want to make her feel like she's not capable of doing it or being 
Well, you said she's not capable. Well, she's not capable, but I don't want to make her feel any less or you know, any more for her not being able to show up. Yeah, look, the reason why you want her there is not because you want to sit next to her or something. It's because your son wants her there. And that's the sacrifice that you'll be making. You want to do whatever it can for your son who's excelling at football. The last thing you want is for him to be concerned about the fact that his mom can't come to the games, right? Right. So I feel like this is something you're doing for your son. You're not necessarily doing it for her. This is a white flag that you're waving to say, look, this is bigger than how you and I feel about each other. This is about our child. Absolutely. So there's your answer. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, All right. And I, and I hope you guys work on repairing your relationship so you can co-parent together. Uh, we're working on it. It's not easy, but we're working on it. Okay. Good luck. All right. We're still taking more calls. We're in the middle of Ask Ye. Hello? Hey, yes. who's this? Rock. What's up, Rock? What's your question for Ask Ye? I, I was saying I was with this chick for like three years. I'm not with her, but because she lived with her baby daddy. Mm. And she, and like, I think she hit the fan with like last couple of months because she's been staying out a little longer than she's been staying out. But she always claimed that she's not with him and trying to be in a relationship with me. But so, I feel like it sucks if I get in a relationship with that girl. So wait, so for three, the past three years you've been dating this woman, she also has yeah, been, been living with her. Hmm? I've been inside too. Okay. And she has no plans of moving. I've been trying to help her move. She ain't trying to move. She's trying to come straight to my house. But I don't feel like you're supposed to move them to my house from out of another man's house. Right. And look, if that's how you feel, then this is not the person for you. If she's not ready to move and to commit and you want a deeper commitment, then, I mean, I feel like there's no negotiating that. So I should just stay at the side, dude, right? I mean, if that's what you want, if you don't mind that, but it feels like you have real feelings for her. Yeah, she cool and everything. I ain't got no problem, but play me like, oh, we in a relationship, and at the end of the night, I dropped you off at your house, and you go into your baby father not knowing what's going on in there. Don't that feel crazy to you, though? Yeah, that's that's why I, I'm cool with being inside, dude, because when you're in the house, I don't care. I'm inside, too. I think you, listen, you do care, because that's why we're having this conversation. You do care. I I just don't want you trying to play me like I'm in a relationship with you when you're going home with another dude. Yeah, but you're treating her like you guys are in a relationship, right? She comes oh, over. I respect women. I'm not going to respect women at all. When you're with me, I'm going to treat you as a queen. I understand that, but what I'm saying is, do you want more for yourself? Yeah, I do. I want kids. I want to win this all that. Okay, well, it doesn't seem like what you're in right now is on the path for that. And I just feel like why not spend that time and energy on somebody that can reciprocate that, that you can actually have a future with? Why are you wasting time? You're right. So I don't know what to do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, I can't imagine what it must feel like to drop somebody who you care about off at their baby, you know, at their house that they live with another man with. So just think about that because you could be spending your time building a future with someone. Mm, absolutely right. I appreciate it. All right. No problem. All right. All right. That was Ask Ye. That's right. We do that every Wednesday and Thursday around this time. And we got a rumor report coming up, Ye? Yes. And let's talk TDE. As we announced earlier, Kendrick Lamar will be leaving the label after his final album with them. But they have signed a new artist. We'll give you those details. That's right. All that and more when we come back. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Hey, top of the top. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlamagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off. Today, that's the man with the highest selling rap album in the country, uh, Moneybag. Yo, top of 
time today, and right now it's time for rumor reporting. We're talking about um, I don't forgot. Black Panther star Letitia Wright. There you go. It's Spilling the tea. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, while shooting Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Letitia Wright got injured, and it's not that bad. It's serious enough that she's been taken to a hospital, but they are saying that it's minor injury. She got hurt in an incident with a stunt rig while filming a scene in Boston. They said she's expected to be released soon. And that's Shuri, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's who she plays in Black Panther. Yeah, she was amazing on there. Why so. the hell is shooting in Boston? Why is Black Panther shooting in white-ass Boston? I don't know. Maybe it's just certain <laughs> scenes. Maybe they're just on set somewhere. Maybe yeah. they just need to close off a street and make it seem like another place. True, true. All right, now, PNB Rock has been sentenced after pleading guilty to marijuana and stolen gun charges. And he actually got sentenced to 36 months probation for each count. And he also has to do 100 hours of community service. So that is uh, guilty to one count of receiving stolen property and one count of possession with intent to deliver. (coughs) The probation will run concurrently. And he's also permitted to transfer his supervision to California. This is all from a 2018 investigation. So I wonder what community service is nowadays. It used to be like, they still clean the side of the road. They still do that? Um, I'm sure they do that, but I don't know what else they do. Like parks, people have to clean up the park and things like that. Because I don't see them people no more. Hmm. Like I don't see them on the side of the road cleaning up no more. That's why I asked. Okay. And Vezo, I swear Vezo, remember he was up here on The Breakfast Club from Detroit. He revealed that he's off probation. He posted, I'm finally free. I've been on probation since I was 17. Congratulations. My PO called me today and said, that is over. Thank God. Congratulations. I, I was on probation for well over a decade, so. It feel like when you go home and take your mask off, times 10. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time. That's like 15 years for him Damn. of being on probation. All right, now TDD, TDE has introduced a new artist that they've signed, Ray Vaughn. Top Dog Entertainment, they posted Welcome Ray Vaughn to the TDE family. Hashtag Peer Pressure EP, available now. And they put out a three-track EP. Here is a snippet of Not Allowed. Yeah, I'm rich spirit, ain't no way I'm gonna die, bro. I don't got enough money to argue I don't fight broke. Man, I wish a lot of people on social media understood that. <laughs> you heard it knocking on the door too? Man. I thought somebody was really knocking. <laughs> I gotta check. I, I haven't heard that. I need to listen to that record. I, I checked for anything with the TDE logo on it. Right. He had to do like a whole process, like a boot camp and everything. Mm-hmm. All right, now, uh, in the meantime, Kendrick Lamar, he's on a song with Baby Keem, and that song is uh, called Family Ties. Here's a snippet of that. Amazing, brother. Pop off only on occasions, brother. Mm. Mm. All right, that full song hits streaming services on Friday. It'll be on Baby Keem's upcoming debut album, The Melodic Blues. I'm here for it all. Salute to K-Dot, salute to Baby Keem. I'm here for that. All right, now, I want to give a shout-out to Tiana Taylor. She has that show, We Got Love, Tiana and Iman. And on the last episode, she was discussing finding out that she had lumps in her breasts. And the physician uh, conducted a biopsy and sent out the samples. And here is what she had to say uh, if you watch the show. It was a lot of lumps, which is really bad. For the most part, is most likely just milk lumps. Glad the doctor was able to get you in ASAP. Conversations of pregnancy can lead to stillborn. 
if you don't deliver the baby early, which is the reason why both my babies have come a month early. And I had a lot of issues with producing milk this pregnancy. And when it finally came, literally everything hardened up. Mm. So thankfully, everything was normal, even though she had to undergo a complicated procedure. But she did say that cancer does run in her family. So I'm sure that's a difficult and scary thing for her to have to think about. You send in Tiana and Amon and their whole family healing energy. And you can watch We Got Love. That's available anytime online. But I believe it comes on on Wednesdays. All right. Porn star Ron Jeremy has been indicted on more than 30 counts of sexual assault involving 21 women. Over the past two decades, he's accused of sexually assaulting the women over a 23-year span from 96, 1996 to 2019, and the victims range in age from 15 to 51 years old. He pleaded not guilty to 12 counts of forcible rape, 7 counts of forcible oral copulation, 6 counts of sexual battery by restraint, 4 counts of sexual penetration by a foreign object, 2 counts of sexual penetration of an unconscious or asleep person, and 1 count each of lewd act upon a child under the age of 14 or 15, sodomy by use of force, and assault with intent to commit rape, according to the DA's office. Clearly there's some type of other sickness going on there, right? Because, I mean, you're already a porn star. So you already get a lot of sex on the regular and get paid for it. If you're doing that, also something else is going on in your brain. Clearly, right? All right. Well, Ron Jeremy is expected to return to court October 12th, and that is for a pretrial conference. He has a bond right now of $6.6 million. And according to online jail records, he does still remain at the Twin Towers Correction Facility in L.A. Yikes. All right. I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, coming up next, we got the People's Choice Mix. Now, DJ Envy isn't here. We've been doing The Breakfast Club for almost 11 years, and every day around this time, he lies to y'all and tells y'all to call in right now to give your request. But the mix is already pre-recorded. So if he does play a song <laughs> that you requested, it's a lucky guess. And I don't know why you're still calling the radio station to request songs anyway when you got What do you want to hear? It doesn't matter. Go ahead, make a request. Let's see what happens. I don't even know what the radio's playing. What are they playing? <laughs> I really don't. I don't even know what, what they're asking. What do you want to hear? Sure. Let's play. That's the, what song? That's the one that sounds like the with the windshield wipers going, but it ain't raining. What's that song? Because I know we play that every morning. Great record. Let's play it. It's the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. On the show, the Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. Uh, listen, man. Salute to my guy Resmo Minikim for coming through today. If you have not grabbed a copy of My Grandmother's Hands, go get it. It's a New York Times bestseller. Racialized trauma and the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies. One of the best books I ever read ever. When it comes to healing, you know what I mean? And if you are, are on a journey of healing, this book is a must-read is a must because it's got a lot of different practices, you know, that help us to move this trauma through our bodies. So salute to Resma for coming through and go grab my grandmother's hands. Now, yeah, you got a couple more days till Angela Yee Day, right? Yeah, Angela D- Yee Day is happening on Saturday, so I'm excited for that. I also am going to be opening my coffee shop um, as well, so hopefully that's ready. I was there yesterday. It's looking not ready, but... You know, we'll see what happens. But yes, Angela Yee Day is Saturday from 12 to 5 in Brooklyn. Make sure you guys come out. We have a ton of artists performing who I'm really excited about. We got Noah Poa. We got Hood Celebrity. We got Allison Hines, the legend. Young Devin from Brooklyn. Um, just so many people that are coming out to show support. Romaine Virgo, who I love. So it's going to be really fun. It's going to be very positive. The Brooklyn Nets, they're setting up a table for the Brooklyn Nets. So if you want a job like at the Barclays or working for that organization, there'll be opportunities there as well and giveaways 
And we got a lot going on. Chick-fil-A. I know people love Chick-fil-A, so there'll be some free food for you as well. But, you know, wear your mask and come on out and show some love. And we'll show you some love, too. We're going to have some backpack and school supply giveaways. All of that on Saturday for Angela Yee Day. I'm not going to lie. I like seeing Chick-fil-A in the community, yo. I be seeing, <laughs> I bet you do. I've been seeing Chick-fil-A pop up at events, and I be like, damn, like Fat, Fat Joe had Chick-fil-A at his party the other night. Like, they pulled up and had the, the booth set up. It feels good, right? I haven't seen that. I'm like, I like seeing Chick-fil-A in the community. All right. Well, we love some Chick-fil-A, so we'll be there eating. All right. We got the positive note coming up next. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Yes, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. It is time for the positive note. Do you have any final words, Yee, before we get up out of here? You acting like it's Friday. Oh, you're right. It's Damn, Thursday. it's Thursday. We'll be here tomorrow. Lord have mercy. We will be here tomorrow. Listen, the positive note is this, man. Uh, I saw Biggs. Salute to Big, Biggs Burke. Um, I saw him post this the other day on his Instagram, and I love it. Your friends who let you sit in the comfort of your bad habits do not love you as much as the ones who challenge you to do better. Breakfast Club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?